Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. So if um, any of you know me, um, you know that I am a rule follower. I have always been this way, and I am wondering if there are any fellow rule followers in the room. Thank you for the hands. And I am the type of person where um, if my parents gave me a list of chores, there was no cutting corners. I did my list of chores, right? My curfew was midnight. Uh, I was home at 11.59, didn't really press that too much. If there was a reading assignment, a homework assignment, I did all of it whether it was checked or not, right? Like that daily reading was assigned and I was going to do it all. Uh, If my coach gave me a workout over the summer, you know what? I did that workout. I did it. I did all of it. Uh, And, um, you know, recently Kevin and I, took a class um, and it was called emotionally focused. And the whole goal is for like my, my own internal growth. But every week we had homework, we had assignments, we had reading, we had to do, we had conversations we were supposed to have with people, journal entries. And, um, and even though no one was checking it and they kept saying, this is for your own good. If it wasn't done the night before I was cramming to finish all of it. Right. And I wonder if anyone else is, is with me on this, but the downside to this rule following is that it makes me really mad when other people don't follow the rules that I have this expectation that, Hey, you too should be following every rule. Right. And so I get really mad when I like see things on, I'm on Instagram and I see someone in the Chick-fil-A drive-through a couple times a week, but they're wearing a crop top. Like you know, you can't eat Chick-fil-A a couple times a week and show off your mid riff, right? Like, come on. Or people who don't study, but still get like the B plus when I get the A minus and I have studied and studied and studied, you know, these people, right? Or it's like, I rarely speed, rarely speed. And, you know, you hear these stories about people who are pulled over rather regularly and they never get the ticket. And the one time, right, the one time you get pulled over, you get like, you're slapped with a $200 ticket. It's like, ah, so unfair. It's so unfair. And I wonder if you feel this way, like maybe you feel this way at work where it's like, I do it all right by the book. And I'm watching other people get promoted uh, right ahead of me. People who, you know, are cutting corners and, I hear the way they talk about other people, right? And the gossip. And it's like, what? How are they getting promoted in front of me? How? And and I know that there's this thing in me. And I, I've read the psalmist say this in Psalm 73. And I love how human these psalmists are. It's like, why are the wicked prospering? Why, God? You know, this is not fair. I expected that if I would follow the rules, that I would get the promotion, that I would have the wind at my back and the positive vibes because I'm doing it all right. And this um, moment with God, and I, I know I'm wondering if you guys do this too, or we do this with God, where we look at him and we say, how can this be? This is not fair, God. I expected something else because I'm following the rules that you set out. I am doing what you asked of me. And I am not, I'm not necessarily getting all the results that I had in mind here. And I saw this so clearly with this man named Elijah. And Elijah is a prophet in the Old Testament and his story, uh, part of his story is in first Kings 
And it is a story where um, he has just had this incredible victory with God. He has, um, he's up on Mount Carmel and there is this showdown between uh, the false prophets and Elijah and their gods and his God, the God, the God of Israel, the the, uh, Yahweh, the creator God. And, and finally, Elijah is like, that's it. Like you guys are, are constantly just, you're worshiping these other gods who aren't gods. And so we're going to have a, he, he, collects the bales and all the people, the, the bale worshipers and um, the false prophets. And they have the showdown on the mountain where he's like, you build your altar and I will build my altar. And the God that answers with fire, he's the God, right? And they agree to this. And so they set up their fire and they are calling out to their, their gods. The, the bale gods are calling out, they're calling out and their gods don't answer. Their gods do not show up. And then Elijah um, sets up his altar and he drenches the thing in water. Like this is going to be impossible. We're going to kick this up a notch. He drenches it with water and he calls out to God, the living God, the, the God who created all things. And he calls out to God and God answers immediately with fire. And everybody is blown away. They are like, oh. It says they're on the ground, lying down on the ground, and they're all going, the Lord, he is God. Like, you were right, Elijah. He's God, and God shows up, and, and Elijah was risky, and it was amazing, and it was this huge victory, huge victory for God. But the next moment, the very next moment, Elijah um, has this, he gets this threat from this evil woman named Jezebel. And this woman basically is like, I'm going to kill you, Elijah. I am taking you out. And Elijah runs to the desert and he essentially falls apart in the desert. Like this is the next moment after that, after Mount Carmel, this massive victory. And he is in the desert and he is in pieces. And he says this to God in first Kings 19, four, he's like, Lord, I have had enough. I have had enough. Like I went out on a limb for you and look where I am now. Look at what is going on in my life right now. And I love how honest he gets with God. I love the humanity in the scripture. Sometimes honors with God, but the next minute he says this twice in first Kings 19, he says this, I have been very zealous for you. God, I have been very zealous for you and I am the only one left. He's essentially saying to God, I paid the cost. I went out. I risked my life. I got out there for you. I, I, I did it all right. God, I did everything that I was supposed to do and look where it got me. Trouble, hardship, the loneliness of him in this moment. He's like, I am the only one left. I'm the only one doing right. And you know what, God, I've had it. And he says, he tells God, he's like, just take my life. Take it now. I am done. Here is a man at the end of his rope. He got out there for God. He did it all right. He followed the rules and he is like about to let go of it all. He's just like, God, just end it. Just take my life. I'm no good. You're no good. This is no good. And guys, if I have to be honest, I've been here with God too. And I, I wonder if this is something that you can relate to where we look at God and we're like, God, why is it so hard? I thought that I was doing everything you wanted me to do. I thought I was doing it right. I thought I was out on the limb for you. I thought that I was following the rules. I thought that I was doing everything you've asked of me. And you know what? It's not working out so well for me. Where we're like Moses at the end of our rope going, you know what? I've had enough. I'm not really sure if it's worth it, God. 
I'm not really sure if I want to keep going because what I thought was, I thought that if I did it right, I would get right. I expected it to be a little bit like the vending machine where I put in my money. I paid the dollar 25, but the thing that was asked of me and I pushed the button and I expected just the Snickers to come out. That's what I thought, God. I thought if I followed you with my whole heart, that it would end up looking a lot different than the reality that I'm in in this moment. And we do this with God, guys. I I get it. We think, God, I'm going to do my part and I know what your part is, right? And I've walked with so many people and, and they end up in this place and they're like, I don't know if I can keep going with God. Like Elijah, I don't know if I can because you know what? He isn't doing what I thought he was going to do for me. I don't see it. I, I can't understand why if God is good, then why isn't he doing this, right? Why isn't he coming through in this way? Why, why am I not experiencing this? I've walked with people who have just been like, you know what? I tried God. I tried him and, and it didn't work. I tried that. It didn't work for me, right? And maybe you've, this has been your experience and maybe not all that way, but you're like, you know, I tried community, God. I tried small groups. Why am I still lonely? You know, like, God, I tried, I tried, I tried prayer. Why didn't you answer? Or maybe we say stuff like, you know what, God, I gave you, uh, I, I surrendered my life. I gave it, I gave it all to you, but why do I still have this nagging feeling like something's wrong with me? Why is it, God, that I, I'm going to church? Like, we're trying to get our whole family there on Sunday morning. Why are we fighting the whole trip to church, right? Some of us need a church that's closer to our home. <laughs> uh, Kevin and I, that was our story, like, every week. Like, it was like the brink of, we'd walk into the church on the brink of divorce, like, Right? Or maybe we think, God, you know what? I've been generous, and I've budgeted, and I've tried to do right with my money, and I turn around and my AC is, is broken and now we're back in debt. I thought I was doing it right. Have you ever stumbled over some of these questions? Have you ever been to this place where you're just like, the truth is you just are so disappointed with what God hasn't done or what you had expected. You ever wonder, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? Have you ever been out there like Elijah at the end of your rope? disappointed, feeling discouraged. Well, here's the deal. I am here to help today because we need answers. We need answers. And I want to help find some answers that will encourage you. If you are at that place, if you've been there, if you're there at the end of your rope, I want to give you some reasons to tie a knot and hang on. That's what I want to do today. I want to give you some reasons to tie a knot and hang on because I do believe that um, that this is this road that we are on, you guys, towards on-fire followers of Jesus, this thing that we have given ourselves to as a people, as a church. It is a, a trail that is full of trials. It is. It is full of trials. And we are wrapping up our, our sermon uh, series on Acts, like I said, and I at towards the end of the, the book of Acts, Paul is saying goodbye to the Ephesians church. Like we are saying goodbye in some ways to this series. And he left them with some words that would matter most to them. And that's really what I want to do today is I want to leave you with some words, some encouragement that will be helpful down the road or helpful to most to God's heart. And these are just three things I want to give you, three things to say to yourself in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of the questions, in the midst of the wondering, in the midst of those places, those desert places like Elijah, when we're like, that's it, I've had enough, God. I want to give you three things to say to yourself, okay? And here is the first thing I want you to say to yourself. You 
are so normal. You are so normal. Look at somebody next to you and say, you are so normal. This is good news. You are so, yes, finally, someone said it to me. You are so normal. And here, um, again, at the end of the book of, um, towards the end of the book of Acts, uh, Paul is leaving Ephesians, his people that he has been with. He has poured his life into them, this, this church that he has given it all to. And he is saying goodbye to them forever. It is his farewell speech. And um, he has a few very important words to leave them with as he was setting off. He would never see them again. And he has this message and he says this. I'm going to read it off the screen, guys. He says, I know that after I leave, it's like I'm, I'm leaving. I know that after I go, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will um, arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. Remember that for three years, I never stopped warning each of you night and day with tears. He's leaving them with this message. I have warned you over and over again. There has been a consistent message that I have preached to you. And it's this, be on guard. Be on guard. There are going to be people from among you that are going to try to draw you away. They're going to try to pull you off the trail towards Christian maturity. They're going to try to get you uh, off that, that journey that God has set you on in this new life. He says it this way to, to the Thessalonians. Um, this is, again, Paul to this church that he loves. And he says this. He says, we sent Timothy who is our brother and God's fellow worker in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. You know quite well that we were destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. So here is the message that is on repeat for Paul. We just catch a glimpse of it here, but it is all over the New Testament. Every letter that he writes, he keeps on telling you, here's what you need to know. You will, there will be hardship ahead of you. That again, as you are moving towards the destiny that God has, as you are, because we are saved towards something. We aren't just saved to like be in a holding pattern until eternity. We are, we're saved now. And then we move in increasing likeness of Jesus. We move towards increasing maturity, towards glory, that we're headed somewhere in this life, that these days are full of purpose and destination. And he's like, as you're going, there is something that you're going to expect out in front of you. Trials, trials on the trail towards maturity. You're going to run into, you're going to bump into trials as you are moving towards a life that is absolutely glorifying and occupied by Jesus. You can expect this hardship. You can expect cost. You can expect persecution, right? This is how it's going to be. And he kept telling them, he kept telling them because he wanted them to know you're so normal. You're so normal. And Paul wasn't the only one who preached this message we know that Jesus preached this whole, the same sermon all the way to the cross, right? He told them about the kingdom of God that they were now, that they were entering this kingdom of God that they were going to be living within. And in, in, in that kingdom came with a cost, didn't it? That that kingdom came with attention of like, of laying hold of, of stepping into glory, but then the not yet, the fullness of Jesus' return, that it wouldn't be all settled once you said yes to Jesus, that you're moving towards that, but that loss was a part of it. And sure enough, guys, we've, we've looked at this book of Acts and just like Jesus told his followers, 
Listen, there's going to be some hard times ahead. The book of Acts, it's full of the disciples then experiencing the glory and the breaking into the kingdom, but then also the imprisonment, right? And the mocking and the trials and the hardship from religious rulers and political rulers and each other, right? It was full of it, just like he said. But Paul kept telling him, he kept on with this message. Why? And I love it. This is what Peter says. Here's why he had to keep telling them. Here's how Peter writes it. Dear friends, don't be surprised at the fiery trials you were going through as if something strange were happening to you. Instead, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ in his suffering so that you will have the wonderful joy of seeing his glory when it's revealed to all the world. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep undoing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you for he will never fail you. This is what Peter's saying. Don't be surprised. You are so normal. You are so normal. It is not strange. And I don't know about you, but that message of like, okay, this is normal. This is part of it. Isn't it kind of relieving? Like, isn't it good to know? This is, this is a normal experience. Like, there's nothing wrong with me, right? Don't be surprised. Like, something strange is happening. Don't, don't think that God is mad at you. Don't think that he's withdrawn from you. Don't think that he is actually disappointed in you and he has forgotten about you. Don't think those things. Don't think any of this is strange. No, this just means that you actually are on the trail towards maturity. It actually means that you are a part of Jesus, his body, the, his experience, the suffering that he experienced on the earth. It just means that, that he is actually, he is with you in the midst of it, right? That's what it means. It means that maybe that um, instead of the, the, the spirit of the world resting on you, that the glorious spirit of God rests on you. Kevin preached on this a couple weeks ago when he talked about the fact that part of this means that we stand out a little bit, right? That when we are, that when we are citizens of another place, that we don't necessarily fit in so well around these parts, right? That it actually means that um, maybe the approval of the world doesn't rest on us, but that the approval of the father rests on us. That's what it means. That's how we interpret it. We interpret it that, you know what, that, uh, that we are actually uh, in a place where we're pleasing God in the midst of it. So you might look around and wonder why hardship is pressing in. And, and as we look around, I want us to just sit back and go, this was, this was already told that I was already told this was going to happen. This is so normal. I am so normal. So that's one thing that we're going to tell ourselves. Okay. You guys, that's worth repeating to ourselves. And the second thing is this, your investment is growing. Your investment is growing. That we know that whatever cost we pay now, that whatever we lose for the kingdom has a return on investment. And return on investment. Don't we always want to know what is our return on investment going to be before we put our money somewhere, before we decide to invest somewhere? Well, look at this return on investment. Jesus says this in Matthew 19. Um, 29, when he's talking about when he comes back to make all things new, this is what he says is going to happen. And everyone who has left houses or brothers, or sisters, or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or fields. That's a long list. That's a long, a heavy list. It says, anyone who has lost these things for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. 
So first of all, Jesus is assuming that he's looking back and he's saying, when you lost these things for me, he's making this assumption, this is going to happen. We are going to leave things behind for Jesus. Fields, family, businesses, right? And, and, I, and some of us, I think we go, you know what? I, I haven't, that's not necessarily my experience. I haven't really left behind my family or my kids or my business for Jesus necessarily. But, but let me just kind of put this maybe in more, uh, terms that kind of fit our life. Every time you have chosen to redefine fun, every time that you have chosen to say, you know what? Yeah. Um, how the world celebrates, how the world is fun that yes, that looks like fun. And you know what? It, it might be fun, but you know what? Because I have chosen to carry the glorious spirit of Jesus instead. In some ways I redefine fun. For some of us, we've had to, we've chosen to redefine what's okay in a relationship, right? We've chosen to say, you know what? There is a, a gift that I can bring to my, my spouse under covenant. There is a gift I can bring them. And you know what? It, it may seem so strange to the world, right? It, they may not understand it at all, but I've chosen to live according to the standard that God has set for me. I remember so specifically, like, you know, no one understood why I was waiting until marriage, to have sex. No one, my, my friends didn't understand. I remember my doctor, my doctor saying, Molly, we got to get you out there. You know, like, this is the way they like, right? Like we got to get you out there, Molly. Like something's wrong with you. You know, like it's, it's misunderstood. Right. But I, I chose to redefine how I was going to do relationships, not according to the way the world does it. Every time you have chosen to, to look at your whole paycheck and go, God, everything I have is from you. I didn't, this isn't like that I earned and I, I, you know, this is all mine. We look at our paycheck and we go, God, all that I have, I honor you with all that I have. A hundred percent of it's yours. And God says, okay, Molly, you take 90% and 10% comes back to my church, right? Every time that we have chosen to live according to, to, and it, again, it, some people, they, they are like, that doesn't make sense. You know, maybe you could put it here instead or put it there instead. Like those are good ideas. They are good ideas, but I have chosen to submit myself to the word of God. I've chose, I've given up the right to decide what seems logical to me. And we can do this about God too. You guys, I no longer, no longer do I get to fill, run God through my understanding of, of how people should be, how God should be things that drives me crazy. So many times we fit God into our imagination and our understanding of who he could be. Well, a good God should, right? Or uh, I can't imagine a God who would. Like, why do we get to imagine a God who would? He was before I could even imagine, right? And I, I look at, sometimes I look at the way we do with him and we think, and even we put him into like the metaphors of like uh, how humans would do it, how a human father wouldn't do that but he is not a human father. He is above all else. And I, it's, I, I have to submit my thinking and my imagination and my logic to who he declares himself to be in the word. It's costly. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't always feel good. It doesn't always jive with how I want life to go. Every time you guys have decided to show up here on a Sunday morning, instead of brunch or the forest preserve or the golf course, every time you have decided to sit back and um, answer a, a wrong, a sharp word with kindness every time, guys, every time, here's what I want you to know. Your investment is growing. 
your investment is growing. When you look back and you're like, oh man, I, I loved right there. I loved when it hurt. I turned the other cheek every time. Guys, your investment is growing. It is. And here's the amazing thing. Anytime you've chosen any of those things for Jesus sake, this is what he promises a hundred times as much comes back. Like, can we even begin to imagine what a hundred times repay is like? It's mind blowing. Like it would be kind of God to double our investment a hundred times. He is extravagant. There is one outcome. Guys, there is one outcome for every place where we have sacrificed, every, every cost we have paid, every bit of suffering, every bit of loss, the ultimate outcome repaid a hundred times, a hundred times. Does this get in a little bit? Is anybody going like, wait, is this believable? Guys, is it believable that when we say yes to the kingdom, that he would just be like a hundred times? Can we just, cause it's not believable to me, but I have to get my heart behind it and go, but you said that. So now I'm setting my expectation on that and that only God a hundred times is much a hundred times. And so sometimes when I can pry open my fingers and let go of something, I, I love to start pairing my faith and my imagination and go, okay, God, I can't wait to see what that's going to look like in heaven. I can't wait when that tiny little bit of extra, when you said to give that, or when you had me stop and, and respond in like, you know, quietness. It's not that I'm being kind, but I'm quiet. And that is the best I can do. Time that I obey. And there are times, honestly, guys, it's little things. It's like, I would rather take Kevin's clothes and just ball them up when they come out of the dryer. You deal with them and I can take my time and fold mine. Every time I go, stop, turn that right side out, fold it the right way. Every time I'm like, okay, okay. Like, oh God, what's that going to look like in heaven? It's just an obedience. I don't want to. <laughs> he can do his own laundry, right? Your investment is growing. Your investment is growing. And here is the beautiful thing about Jesus telling us, here's saying it at the end. When I come back, here's how it's going to be a hundred times. We can count on it, guys. We can bank on it. Sometimes Kevin and I move little bits of money into a retirement fund. And it's hard to say goodbye in the moment. And we move it over there. Why? Because we hope that one day it'll grow. We hope. We do. We hope it'll be there, don't we? But God is saying, listen, you don't have to even hope. You have confidence in this. This account will grow a hundred times, a hundred times. This is why guys, this is what we have to do at the end of our rope. Why we have to tie a knot and hold on. Your investment is growing. Your investment is growing. Okay. And the last thing I want us to say to ourselves, first of all, you're so normal. Second of all, your investment is growing. Third of all, he will never fail. He will never fail. So Kevin loves golf and and I am beginning to dabble it because if I want some time with my husband, <laughs> I got to be where he be. No, he's, he's so good. But I, uh, he loves golf. And so I've been trying to get myself um, into golf more and more. And, um, and so uh, I've learned one thing about golf. I learned one thing about this, um, that, uh, you know, the 
this is not what I learned, but you get the ball to the green, right? You hit it really far, you get it to the green, and around the green is this like really, really small grass, thin, what's it called? Shavy grass, shavy grass. And it moves real fast, and you get it, you want to try to get into the hole, right? Okay, this is ridiculous. Why am I telling you? You know this. Anyways, the whole point, you get it to the green, and then you start putting on the green into the hole. And here's what I've learned, that the farther you are from the hole, you putt first. So the farthest person out putts first and gets into the hole. Then the next farthest putts and the next farthest. And here's the advantage. Here is the edge. You want to watch everyone else putt first. You want to watch them putt because you can see how fast that green is. You can see like how fast the ball rolls. You can see if there's something called a break, which is like the movement, like the hills or the angle. And if you watch them go first and make the mistakes then you don't have to, right? Because you know, Molly, don't hit it as hard or aim a little bit right for the hole. And so what I, what I want to do is I want to look at, I want people to go ahead of me. I want them to know, go ahead, you go first so I can watch and learn from you, right? That's what I want us to do with, uh, with this word and with other people that have gone through their hardship in the Bible. Watch other people that have gone before us through hardship so that we know what to expect. We know what to expect, that we get the edge. And I cannot, I look at this word and I cannot get away from it over and over and over again, you guys. It is the same story. People encounter hardship. They face the difficulty. They face the cost. They go through it. And what happens is every time God redeems. Every time God redeems. Like I haven't found one story yet where God hasn't actually ended up being good for them. He hasn't ended up coming through and, and, and making something brilliant out of it every time. And so I can draw courage from the ones who have gone before. I look at the life of Job. He lost everything. He lost his health, his family, his businesses. He lost it all. And look at what happens at the end of Job's story. It says that God gave him twice as much as he had before, that he blessed the last part more than the first. And it wasn't just Job. It's, it's uh, like a global thing, like the Israelites. They're going through the wilderness, and at every turn is impossible situation. There's, there's nowhere to sleep. There's no food. There's no new clothes. There's no doctors. There's no Starbucks, right? I mean, it's hardship after hardship, day in and day out trouble. But God takes them through every one of them into a promised land that they didn't work for, into vineyards that they didn't plant, and olive groves that they didn't have to work for. Joseph, he's sold into slavery and he goes to prison. But even in prison, it says God prospered him and put him in charge of everything. And he gets out of prison and we know that he um, he uh, is helpful to Pharaoh. And what happens at the end is that I love this. God sets him over all of Egypt, all of Egypt. He's like next to Pharaoh. Like that's crazy promotion, crazy Daniel in the lion's den, right? He has to, he's just worshiping God, just doing what's right. He's sent into the lion's den and God brings him through. And again, it's not just he brings him through, he prospers him. Daniel 6, 28, he prospers him. It's amazing. Esther, she goes before the king uninvited to save the Jewish nation. And, and um, it's risky. She puts her life on the line. It is hard. It is trouble. But she's, at the end, she's promoted. Her family's promoted. They prosper. Like, it is story after story 
I, I look at him, I'm like, David, Elijah, Nehemiah, Gideon, guys, you just can't, you can't get away from it. The story after story, the ones who've gone before us, gone through hardship and come out the other side with the redemption and restoration of God over and over and over and over. And uh, this is how God does it, guys. It is how he does it. And one last story, one last story is um, this recently, you know, it's been my experience and I, I find myself here kind of often with God where I'm like, God, is it worth it? Like, is this all worth it? Like, I don't know. I don't, I, you know, do I really, do I have, do we want to keep going with this? God, is there something else to do? And um, recently I, I felt very much like Elijah, like I felt like I was doing it all right. And God kind of took me from, from this exchange with him to another mountaintop. And he was reminding me about Abraham. And he was reminding me about how Abraham was up on that mountain and God invited him to worship. And what he was saying was, would you hand over your son, Isaac? Would you give me your son? And I was thinking about, again, like how hard that must have been from, for Abraham to be asked that, to be faced with that and what he was going through, right? And what God showed me was that God took that one, that sacrifice of that one son, that one thing that Abraham could open his hands and surrender before God. He could, in that hardship, give him his one son, and God made him a father of nations. That is the redemption and restoration of God. You open up your hands, that one, that hardship, that Isaac, and I make you a father of nations. That's how I redeem. That's how I restore. That's what happens through hardship, guys. It's every single time. And so I can look at Abraham who has gone before me and he did that hardest thing that anyone could ever be asked to do. And I could see how God was trustworthy to him. And as God was trustworthy to him, I then put myself in that place. God will be trustworthy to me. As God was faithful to him, as God came through brilliantly for Abraham, God, you will for me in this situation too. I watch the one who has gone before. And that's what I'm asking you guys to do. And look at the one who has gone before. Look at the one. Look at the one who has, who has gone through it and the redemption as God was to them. He will be to you. He will be. And so we can hang on. We can tie that knot and hang on because that is who our God is. And this is how I want us to take, take us back to this last bit in First Peter 4. This is how he wraps it up. So if you are suffering in a manner that pleases God, keep on doing what is right. Do we have that one, that First Peter 4, 19? Keep on doing what is right and trust your lives to the God who created you, for he will never fail you. That's the story. That is the story of our God. He is trustworthy. He will never fail you. Why hang on? Because your story of hardship will end up just the same. Just the same as the ones who have gone before you. And so this is what I want you to know, guys. I want to stand in front of you today. And I feel like Paul, because more than anything, I want to encourage you. I want you at the end of it to be to able to say like Paul, I finished my race. I finished it. I got all the way to the end and it was hard. And there were many times that I wanted to veer off the trail. There were many times that I wanted to be done with this race and get on another course. There were many times, but he says this, he says, I finished the race that you gave me, God. He says this, I consider my life worth nothing that I would only finish the race and and complete the task the Lord gave me. 
That's what I long for you guys. I want us to all be able to get to the, at the end and stand before Jesus and say, I finished it. I finished the race. I tied the knot and I hung on when it was hard because I can tell you that this was Paul's message for a reason to the church. He knows what's at stake. He knows what's, what comes against the church. He knows what, what comes against us today. It is the same message. I'm asking for us to do a gut check today. Will you finish your race? Will you complete the task? I know it's hard. I know it's long. You're so normal. Your investment is growing. God will never fail you. Can we stand up and, and just pray this in with all we have today, guys? And I, I, I long for you like Papa Paul in so many ways, guys. And all I can do, I feel like, is stand in front of you and tell you that I'm going to finish my race and I'm going to complete my task. And it is hard for me to. But I, I just want us to come together as people and link arms and say we're going to do this together. We're going to do this together, church. We are going to be an enduring church. And as we close out this series in Acts, we're going to close it out with this declaration that, God, we now know what to expect. And we know it's going to be glorious. And we know it's going to be wonderful. And at the same time, we know it's going to be hard. And there are going to be days that our faith is failing. And in the midst of it all, in the midst of it all, God, we are going to keep going on this race. We're going to keep going. We're going to make it to the end. And so, Holy Spirit, we just come before you as a group of people and we hold open the cost. Guys, if you could just put your hands out in front of you, almost like an Abraham moment. And there's been a lot of cost. It's been hard. It's been a lot of sacrifice. And honestly, there's more to come. But we hold our hands open before a God who is trustworthy. Before a God who knows that he's taking us like Abraham to be a father of nations. And whatever that means for us, it's something big. And it's something glorious. And it's something beyond us. And it's a story that God's writing over you. It's a story of glory. It's actually a story of honor. It's a story of redemption and restoration. There is one story, guys. There's one story. It all ends with the glory and praise of God. And so, God, we hold open these things before you. And we let them go so that you can make us a father of nations. So that you can multiply in us and through us what you want to multiply. We let go of those things that, man, how many questions we have? How many times where we're like, what? What? It didn't make any sense. It's not what I expected. It's not how I thought it would be. What were you doing there, God? Where were you? We hold those things before you. We say, God, you're trustworthy. We'll praise you still. Blessed be your name still. Still. 